Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. So we're going to start this morning with a reading from Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We all have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. And if it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Amen. Well, before we get started this morning, hasn't it been a wonderful answer to prayer to see this rain uh, that is just absolutely bucketing down our coast. And uh, I've, I've been spending like a couple of times a day just checking the rain radar just to make sure it's those over those areas with the bushfires. And it's been remarkable. I think uh, one of the stats I heard is that like two thirds of the bushfires up the East Coast are now under control or have been extinguished for uh, as a result of this weather system, this anomaly that's come through. And, um, and really, it's great to recognise that there have been a lot of churches and a lot of Christians praying for this and we often uh, don't acknowledge God when that blessing comes. And so it's just, I don't know, you can never put your finger on it with God, but uh, I'm declaring this one an answer to prayer, as are many Christians around the world. Um, certainly too. It's an, interesting, it's an interesting dynamic too, if you noticed that, and it's where I caught myself feeling a little bit guilty this weekend. Have you noticed that, um, that we pray desperately for these sorts of things from God and then they happen and then you catch yourself going, oh my goodness, this rain is such a pain in the backside. You know, like it's, I'm sure none of you have done that. <laughs> And um, it's, it's a great reminder of how we are as God's people because we often forget, don't we? We often forget God's blessing and what we've been praying for and how he works. And you see that all throughout the scriptures. Um, it's a great segue in terms of what we're going to talk about this morning because what we're going to talk about this morning is something that we talk about this time just about every year or just about at least once a year in the life of our church. And we're going to talk about service, uh, serving God's people and the reason we talk about it every year is because we still have the same dream we've always had this dream uh, that we want to see the unemployment rate of Christians at Northside down to zero that's our dream (laughs) every member ministry everyone serving that one day I have a dream (laughs) that every Christian will be employed for the purposes of God and part of the reason why is you see that is the reason the way that God purposed his church Now, when you see the Ten Commandments, when you see Jesus' version of the Ten Commandments, the Sermon on the Mount, they're given into community for the purposes of blessing the world around them. Uh, Then you see in Hebrews 12, 18, it has this remarkable statement where it says this. 
You haven't come to a mountain that can be touched, but to Mount Zion, to the joyful assembly of angels and the spirits of just people made perfect. And then it goes on to say, you are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And so you know what it's saying? You know what it means to be the church? You know what it means to be the church? It, it means something far more cosmic than budgets and attendances and rosters and membership and all that sort of stuff. What, what it's saying there when the writer says that you've come to a mount that can't be touched, but you've come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God and the joyful assembly, it means there is a power. There is a power that is flowing from the throne room of God. It's flowing right now from the throne room of God into us, through us as we gather, out through us, a power that is going out into His, His kingdom, going out into the world, uh, healing and relieving the world of pain and an injustice and bringing it hope. And isn't that exactly what we all thought when we were driving to church today? <laughs> I'm sure that's exactly what we thought we're going through the rain. Yeah, that's right, I'm the gathered people of God. I'm stepping into the power that's coming from the throne room of God and to eradicate healing and evil and injustice in the world. But that's, that's the big picture of what the church truly is. And I might sound like I'm over-exaggerating, but it's not me, it's biblical. Like if there ever is an over-exaggerator, it's Paul, the Apostle Paul, the one that wrote that passage. <laughs> you know, Paul's like the ultimate Simon Sinek, if you've seen him on his TED Talks. You know, Simon Sinek is all about the why. You know, start with the why. I can see all the corporate types going, yeah, I've heard his stuff. You know, Simon Sinek didn't invent that. The Apostle Paul did. Every time Paul opens his mouth, he tells you why. Whenever he gives you a command like service, he tells you why. And so he says, in light of this power that is coming from the throne room of God through you, his church into the world, in light of all of that, live, I urge you, brothers and sisters, live as living sacrifices to God. Now, I talked about that briefly last week. I mean, literally a living killing. <laughs> and we said that, uh, the community feels like a living killing at times. It feels like that when we've had to serve and drive through rain and do all the things that we do and get up and our bodies have got arthritis and all sorts of different health stuff that's happening. And I know what it's like for many of you to serve. It's a living killing. It's tough. It's, it's difficult. But I also said last week, you know, that that, that each of us individually needs all of us. We need this community. It's vital to change. Uh, but, the, but the challenge is community is so difficult to maintain because of this living killing, because it takes a sacrifice. And part of the reason why I'm not going to get back into it, but uh, you know, I used army posters and all sorts of examples. You can listen to the podcast. But the, the principle I was getting across is this, is that the modern mindset says this. Modern mindset says, you know, don't, don't allow anyone or anything to cut across your will. You know, don't, don't, allow, don't be accountable to anyone or anything. You know, don't, just you be you, boo. Right, that's that's the modern phrase. You do you, boo. Right, you just you just be you. You live according to whatever you think is right and whatever is your agenda. Don't you know? Don't allow anything to cut across your agenda for, for your life. But can I suggest to you that if you know yourself well enough, if you know yourself well enough, you know that you have a desperate need to be part of something that is bigger than your own agenda. And like, and isn't that what all the great stories are about? You know, the last starfighter, Star Wars. Terminator 2, I'm speaking your language, I know. <laughs> Frodo, Lord of the Rings. <laughs> All of the great stories are about ordinary people being swept up into a story that's bigger than themselves. And can I suggest to you that it's psychologically vital that you're a part of something that's bigger than you. You want to live a life of greatness, of significance. 
But you can't do that if you're not part of something that's bigger than you that you're accountable to. Robert Beller in his book, Habits of the Heart, says this. The reason there's no community left, the reason community is decaying is simply because community is based on causes that are higher than us. And what I alluded to last week, I take my hat off to you, build a generation. I take my hat off to those of you that are above the age of 50, 60, because you understand this, you get this, you've lived in a culture that where you lived for causes that are higher than you. I take my hat off to, to people like, like Elaine Fitzpatrick in this place, who I watch year after year of being a pastor here, you know, handwrite all the numbers of our service attendants into a little red book out in the finance office there and hand reconcile the bank statement and count all the coins from the offerings that go in your bucket. You know, and she didn't just do that for once or twice or for a term. She did that for 25 years straight. And I thank you, Elaine, for the example and the inspiration to this young pastor that you have been over the years and to anyone that's had the privilege to serve alongside you and work with you. You lived for something beyond yourself. You showed us Jesus through the way that you served. So the question for us is, you know, is is there anything, do you have that sort of resource in your life? (laughs) Could, Could you live and serve like that? Paul says that that's the reason why if you if you get it, then you live that sort of life. And now the problem is, though, whenever we talk about service, first of all, all of our eyes glaze over. I know that I lost about half of you the minute I said the S word. Service, here we go. <laughs> and the challenge is, you know, you go, oh, here we go. It's another one. You know, it's what he does each year, 25-minute stitch-up to get us to serve on the roster. <laughs> and that's exactly what Paul was doing. It's biblical because... <laughs> Surely this is what he says, right? For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think more highly than you ought, but rather think of the roster. (laughs) That's what he said to the Roman church Um, for the podcast. Insert sarcasm tag there. Here's the first point. All of us, the community, Northside, Northside Church, all of us as a community need each of us in order to be the church. All of us corporately need each of us individually to be the church. For the grace given to me, I say, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members don't all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each of us belong to all the other. So what we have to understand is without your role, we can't reach the goal. Without the part that you play individually, we can't be the church. One of the things that makes the church attractive to the watching world is that they see people who are radically different from each other and just do it quickly, look around you. This is what I love about our church. We all look radically different. It's not like we're some unicultural bunch of young hipsters with skinny jeans and pointy shoes and hair waxed hair. (laughs) One of the guys up at Taramara is, is, is growing some stubble. He's in his 60s. I thought he's on his way there, you know, of um, Northside enculturation. (laughs) I love the fact that we're different. And that's attractive to the watching world when it sees people who are radically different. Dare I say people who ordinarily wouldn't get on with each other in the real world, getting on and serving each other. That's what makes the church attractive. Now, the, the risk that we have in all of this is that we don't define the church in the right way. You know, what's the risk? You know, I, I hear it all the time with people. People say, Sam, you know, the church should be doing this. The church should be doing that. Oh, the, 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 the church should support this. 
And Paul gives us a really quick reminder on the definition of, of church. You ready for it? For just as each of us have one body with many different arms and legs, these arms and legs and appendages don't all have the same function. So in Christ we, though many, form one body and each member belongs to each other. You know what Paul's saying there? You are your church. You are your church. I think you've heard me say that before. <laughs> so when people say, oh, the church should do this, what they really should be saying to themselves is, I should be doing this. Clearly God's stirring you and you're passionate about whatever area of ministry that you want to comment on. You are your church. The church, all of us, need each of us to be the church. And without your role, we can't achieve our goal because our goal, if you remember, our vision is to create communities that engage the disengaged with Jesus. And last time I checked, you know, Matthew 5, you know, Jesus says, you're a city on a hill. First Peter says, you're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. Last time I checked, it's very difficult to be a city on a hill or a holy nation by yourself. <laughs> you know, Christians that are individual holy nations, they're not holy nations. They're just annoying. <laughs> right? Haven't you found that? Nothing inspiring about an overly holy individual but a community of individuals that love each other and distinct from the world for the world, that's a different story. So you are your church. And the whole point is that the early church exploded because the watching world saw people who were different from each other serving each other pervasively. And that's exactly what happened to this little Roman church that Paul was encouraging, 45 AD, whatever it might be. As Paul's encouraging this church, look at the fruit of what happens, of what he sows in with the passage that we're listening to this morning. A couple of hundred years later from Emperor Julian, he says this, the Roman Emperor Julian, why do we not observe how the benevolence of Christians to strangers has done the most to advance their cause? For it's disgraceful that the impious Galileans, Christians, support not only their poor but ours as well, whilst everyone is able to see that our own people lack aid from us. They got what we are receiving this morning. The words that Paul did, he sowed it into the church a couple of hundred years later. This is what happens. The watching world found the church beautifully attractive because primarily we are here to serve each other. Is that true for us? Hmm. Then there's verse 6. Paul goes on to say this. So first of all, you know, all of us, Need each of us to be the church. And then verse 6, we each have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then do that in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. This is like a list of spiritual gifts, by the way. If it's, if it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. So first of all, if you want to know what spiritual gifts are and you want them, pray for this. They're the spiritual gifts. Interestingly, when I've prayed, I've prayed with lots of people who've prayed to receive the spiritual gifts from God or being awakened of that. I'm yet to pray with someone who's prayed for the spiritual gift of giving. And if there are any of you that would like to be prayed for this morning for the spiritual gift of giving, then I'd be more than happy to do that with you at the end of the service, right? Here's the, here's the principle. All of us, Northside Church needs each of us individually to use our gifts to minister to each other. We use our gifts no matter how big, how small, because the church doesn't equal the walls. Church doesn't equal the website. The church is that God has uniquely created you and crafted you to care for the people around you. 
I'm constantly saying that you are unique. You're a snowflake. You're a thumbprint. Ephesians 2, you are God's workmanship. That there are hands only you can hold. There are conversations only you can have. There are people only you can reach. There are beds only you can sit beside. The whole purpose of the church is that all of us, in order to be the church to minister, is that we use our gifts to do that accordingly. The most perfect, beautiful picture this week was seeing Graham Crowfield and Jay Bassick running Jenny Lane's funeral for us. Ministers using their gifts to be the church. And one of the most remarkable ways that I've seen this is another one if I'm on a roll of giving stories. One of the most remarkable ones that I've seen is like literally in the same week, you know, I've had, I've had these conversations with or these experiences with people. You know, on, on one hand, you know, I've, I've had a conversation a week where, where people in the church, you know, as, as we've gone through this interesting phase of doing church, they ask questions like, why, why would we adopt a church like Taramara? You know, why would we get ourselves involved with something like that? To which the short answer is our goal, our vision is to build communities that engage, to disengage with Jesus. We want to, we want to serve beyond ourselves. That's, that's the short answer to it. You know, on one hand, you, you can talk to people that are in that sort of space. On the other hand, um, this morning, while I was up there at Taramara, uh, went in and, and bumped into uh, one of our guys in the kitchen. It was one of the guys from Crow's Nest. And uh, went and bumped in, and there he was, um, starting to get all the morning tea ready for people, uh, for, uh, for morning tea for everyone up there at Taramara. And this particular person who serves faithfully out on our concierge here, this particular person gets on a bus in Sutherland at five o'clock in the morning to then catch a bus to Central and then catch a train all the way up to Taramara. And I've got no idea what he did this morning, but generally he then walks the 20-something minutes from Taramara Station to that church in order to serve people morning tea. Who does that? Who d- you know who does that? It's the, it's the sort of person who, who gets that the whole way that we are the church is when we are pervasively just serving and loving one another. And they do that. You know, I said, well, why would you do something? It's like the question, why would we do Taramara? You ask them, why would you do that? And they say, well, I've got a whole bunch of new brothers and sisters. I'd just like to meet them. What a beautiful picture of the way that God grows and serves and resources his church. All of us need each of us to use our gifts to minister now, if you're anything like me, and and one of the wrestles for me is that as a pastor, it can be very easy to class your paid job as your service, and that's not what we're talking about. You know, God expects expects of me that there is service beyond my job in ministry, the same way that it would be for you in the way that you serve at Northside. And so, the wrestle that I have in all of this, and I'm sure it's your wrestle as well, is okay. Well, I I get it. Like my intentions are there, Sam, but I just don't have the time. To which I guess my response is, are you freed up or are you full up? And when we say we're full up, I don't think we truly look at the way that we are full up. You know, often our lives are full up in this particular way. My, my lovely wife is a, you're a chronic spring cleaner, hun, aren't you? That's what I love about the way that you are with the way that we, it's, you're not a spring cleaner, you're an any season cleaner. Like if stuff's got to be done, we just, we just do it. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Um, <laughs> you know, we, we, um, we're cleaned out, we're, Cleaning out the garage um, the other month and stuff's all pulled out the floor. I'm drilling stuff on, on, uh, on the walls and we're just cleaning out the garage. And, and as a result, like all of, all of this stuff is, is strewn all across the floor of the garage, baskets and the whole lot. And we can get through and we can get to the fridge and do what we've got to do. But the question is, is the garage full 
Well, if you look at it, no, it's not full. You can see it's just a couple of baskets on the floor. Question, is it full? Yeah, of course it's full because it can't be used for its intended purpose. Can't get the car in. I think our lives are a bit like a garage like that is that we, there are smaller things that invariably creep into our lives. A little bit of stuff with friends and work side of things and all of these little additions to our lives that in many respects we go, oh, I, 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 you know, I can't serve on full. It's not full. We just haven't reordered or created the space. We haven't freed up the space in order to serve God in that way. So are you freed up? Are you full up? What have you got to do to free yourself up? And a, a, couple of, a couple of things first and foremost. Um, first one is you just proactively rearrange your lifestyle. And I drift from Romans 12 here to the beautiful picture of the Macedonian church and the way that they gave out of what people would observe as little or no resources. And Paul got that. And 2 Corinthians 8, he says this, I tell you that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability entirely on their own they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. They gave not because they had to, but beyond their ability. You know, these were people who didn't say, oh, no, I'm, I'm full, I can't do it. What they said, you know, they understood that in our lives, you know, how does our fullness often work? Often there's, we, we, we've got to meet our needs and then we, we save, we get some resources for our emergencies and then, and then we have a little bit extra for the beyond. Right? We, we, we give out of the beyond. And, and what we see in the pattern of the Macedonian church is that they worked the other way around. They said, let's make a commitment to giving beyond ourselves and work the implications backwards. <laughs> How did that beyondness cut into the emergency and cut into our needs? And that's what Paul reflects here when he says, they gave first to God. Verse 5, they exceeded our expectations and they gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. So they reordered their lifestyle around the priority of serving people beyond themselves. Right? It's like the and, and 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 I think that pushes against you and I because if we're real with ourselves, the ways that we can serve, it goes like this: if my needs are met, if I've got the emergency fund, if I've got some space, then I will get to serving people. And and you know it's a bit like the the farmer who the farmer was expecting a calf from his cow and the calf was born and then uh, unexpectedly a second calf popped out and he went to his wife and said oh, we've got two calves this is amazing and so he said you know what I'm going to do it's such a blessing you know that that second calf uh, once it grows up I'm going to sell that that's the Lord's calf I'm going to sell that and all those proceeds are going to go to the Lord anyway he comes in the next day and his face is very forlorn. And he says, uh, the wife says, what's up, honey? Are you okay? He said, it's terrible. Uh, the Lord's calf died. <laughs> she said, how do you know which one? It was definitely the Lord's calf that died. <laughs> it's always the Lord's calf that dies. Isn't it? <laughs> uh, do, what might we need to do to rearrange our, our lifestyles so that we give ourselves like the Macedonians first to God? We, we rearrange. And then the second thing that we do, and you've heard me talk about this over and over again, so you're literally going to get it for 30 seconds and then you can do your research to get any past newsletter that you've seen because it's in there every second newsletter that we have, but it's a distinctly powerful principle. It's a principle that's led to some incredible service here at Northside. But if you're, if you're going, okay, I've got the space, but I want to serve, but I don't know where, how do I do that? You just find your sweet spot, and some of you could recite this, your sweet spot of affinity, ability, and opportunity. 
your sweet spot of affinity. What, would, what, what is God stirring in your heart? What, what's he nudging you with? What would get you out of bed of a morning without an alarm clock? That's what your affinity is. And is there a connection between that and, and your skills? Hopefully, you know, are, you better, are you better at that passion than five or ten other people in the church? If you are, that means God has gifted you that way. And then you prayerfully consider, okay, Lord, are there ways that you can use this combination of things for your purposes? Not just for serving this place here, but just for serving someone. And, and if you want to see a perfect example of that, go read the Northside News this month. And you look at um, Esther Hahn's story. And, and, and the way that she stepped in to begin wanting to lead a recovery ministry for us. This is, this is someone who said to me, as we're sitting in the family room, the church meeting room, I said, why do you do this? You said you talked about affinity, ability, opportunity. I'm a GP that works in drug and alcohol recovery. I'm passionate about this, affinity and ability. And Sam, I'm coming to go, is, is there a way that God could be working on opportunity in this? And the last barrier, it's not in the notes, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. It's a bonus there you go, bonus addition for coming to church on a rainy day. <laughs> it's not going to be on the slides. But I, I think the other barrier that we have with serving is we go, oh, but the problems are too, it's either this, oh, the problems are too big or the other thing that gets said to me all the time, oh, you know what, look at Northside, they just seem so well resourced. You don't really need my help. The problems are too big. I, I don't know if I could be on stage. I don't know if I could be out there. I'm not sure if I could solve recovery ministries the way that Esther is doing all of that. I just don't know what I, what I would do. I don't know where I could do. And most of all, if I'm going to invest all of this time, then I'm not sure if it's really going to make much of an impact. And here's my answer to you. Just do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Because if all of us, the church need each of us and each of us are playing our role in order to achieve the goal. When each of us do the smallest of small, then God's church becomes pervasively powerful. And I, I think community dies not in some big cataclysm of massive splits down the middle of stuff with church. You don't want to know how community dies. Community dies in that tiny little moment when you're all by yourself and you say things to yourself in your own little head or right now in the middle of the message saying, my little bit doesn't matter. Or my little bit is insignificant. Or they won't notice. Let's extrapolate the logic of all of that. Let's just imagine all of us say that right now, that they wouldn't notice and see what happens to this church. Because one of the greatest miracles and the greatest encouragements for me as a pastor when I turn up to this place is that I, I turn up and the place is happening. It's a miracle in and of itself. And I know that as I talk through all of this, one of the things I'm most grateful for is that you've suffered me for the last 25 minutes because <laughs> I'm preaching to the choir. Like all of this wouldn't happen if we didn't already get this. But it's so important for us for that reason to constantly safeguard ourselves against that type of thinking that says, I don't matter or it won't matter or it won't be noticed. Community is the sum total of all of the little bits of our little contribution. Every little stick to the bonfire makes it burn brighter. And whenever you withdraw your little piece from it, then Northside burns a little dimmer. So are you just trying to get me to serve? I know that's exactly what you're asking me. Uh, yes. <laughs> of course I wouldn't. Isn't that my job? Someone says, what's the job of the leaders is to equip the saints for work. Of course I'm trying to get you to serve. Of course I'm trying to get you to serve. But you guys know the result positively too of what it means to serve. 
Some of you here have known and you have seen the changed lives. You've seen the impact of what it has when you serve and when you give to people. Some of you understand what it was that Jonathan Edwards said in his commentary on Galatians 5, that if we never relieve each other's burdens, but when we can do it without being burdened ourselves, then how do we bear a neighbour's burden when we bear no burden at all? Some of you know that the cost and the investment in your serving is the very thing that changes lives. In a couple of weeks' time, our divorce care facilitators will dedicate 13 weeks straight to loving a bunch of people that we know because of where they're coming from are going to be hurt and angry and upset and if we're real emotionally draining and that's why they want to be there and to love them through that and time and time again as it's happened over the years those facilitators will come out the back end of people that are hugging them and that are in tears and saying thank you for the investment into our life i want you to understand this morning that god is purposing for you people into your life to whom he wants you to use your gifts and your abilities to bless them. This is so much bigger than a roster. Please, this is so much bigger than a roster. We are only the church when we're each taking our gifts and abilities to bless the people around us. And I know that we know this, and I know that it'll cost us, but, but the logic of it makes so much sense. The, and, and the logic, look, seriously, the way I think of it is, you, know, you, you, think, you think that Jesus, when he's on the cross, his arms outstretched and his brain behind that, that, thorn, that thorny crown of his is thinking when he's in the middle of that, you know what, I hope that Jenny sees this so she'll serve on the roster. Come on. He says, I'm, I'm doing this so this power will come from the throne of God. I'm going to give you my spirit so he can take all of mine and make it known to you. I, I'm, I'm, going to, I'm, I'm going to empower you with the Holy Spirit so you can do the things that I've been doing. So this peace that I'm bringing to the world is going to come in through you. And in light of that, that's what Paul says. And I love the King James version of this. Look at verse 1 as we get ready to finish. The King James Version says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren. I always think with the King James Version, you've got to say it in an English accent. <laughs> By the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your, and I love the way that it translates this, which is your reasonable service to God. <laughs> as, as, he's, as he's hanging there. Jesus asks us to be a living killing because he was a dead killing. Be a living sacrifice because he was a dead sacrifice. It's, re it's reasonable if you get it. That reasonableness is what compelled people in this place to serve year after year faithfully, faithfully, faithfully. And for that, can I say as a pastor, I am so grateful and I'm so thankful for you. And many of you know who you are. You're those ones who are so consistent. You're the ones, the classic ones on our hospitality team of morning after morning after morning step in to fill gaps and work stuff through and serve us so that we can have the function of sharing stories with one another and ministering to one another. It's so much more than just coffee. As a pastor, I'm so grateful that we're part of a church that gets this, that we're blessed to be a blessing. And so all I want you to ask as we head to communion this morning is in light of that all of God has done for you, what is your reasonable act of service? What's, re what's reasonable to you? Don't talk to me about it. Talk to him about it. Are you employed in service to God? And if you're going, well, what do I do? Start somewhere. Go to Next Steps. Go to our website. Go to the Tell Me More section. Talk to a pastor. Talk to a minister. Start, just start somewhere. John Eldridge said this. Don't ask what the world needs. Ask what makes you alive and go and do it. Because what the world needs is people who've come fully alive.
You know, people like Esther and what she's doing with the recovery ministry, she's just indicative of a range of people at the moment that are doing stuff. You know, wonderfully, you know, this church, this Taramara church that we've adopted and that we're carrying through and that we're, we're helping to relaunch, you know, this week alone, before I even preach this message, um, Barry up there, our campus pastor, received 25 different responses from that congregation to serve. That's like over half of the core congregation in the space of a week. God's doing something powerful through us here in this place. But I want you to know, you've been given a gift. You've been given a gift. And he will be ordaining people coming into your life. If you don't know where to find them, they're really easy. There'll be a bunch of them here at about 10 o'clock or realistically 10.15 next Sunday. Passive aggressive much? (laughs) There'll be a bunch of them here next Sunday. They're called the church. And if you hang around with them long enough, you're going to find ways to take the ways that he's gifted you to bless other people. There can be no greater joy. Let's pray. For more info and all the latest Northside news and events, visit northsidechurch.org.au or download our app today.